everyone. Well, we may have people on there too. Welcome to our Global Health Nursing Grand Rounds. Um, I'm going to do our little housekeeping stuff first and then I'll introduce Sydney. Uh, the Center for Continuing Education has a new way of tracking attendance. After the program, you will receive an email from the Center for Continuing Education with a link to an online evaluation. Upon completion of the evaluation, your one contact hour will automatically be posted to your online transcript. This ties completing the evaluation to receiving credit. Even if you do not need the contact hour, the Center for Continuing Education values your feedback regarding this program and invites you to take just a few minutes to complete the evaluation. Your feedback is very important to us. Be sure to sign in, and you must attend at least 80% of the program to receive credit. For those viewing online, if you have any questions during the presentation, you can email Judy Langhans, and I'll give you her email address, and we'll give them to the presenter at the end of the presentation. And her email is judith.m. Langhans, I should probably spell that, L-A-N-G-H-A-N-S, at Hitchcock.org. Also, for those viewing online, please email Judy within one hour of completing completion of the presentation, stating that you participated in the educational activity live online. Include your name, degree, and zip code. Um, and I've just given you her email. There are instructions on how to access your online transcript by the sign-in sheet, or you can contact Judy. Neither our speaker nor any members of the planning committee have identified a financial interest or relationship with a commercial entity or any conflict of interest regarding this activity, and no one refused to disclose. And if you have on a cell phone or a pager, please silence it. And now I'd like to introduce Sydney. Sydney Allen has been an RN for seven years, for the past four years in perioperative services at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. She has an Associates in Nursing from the New Hampshire Community Technical College and a BSN from Franklin Pierce University. She has had the opportunity to join two surgical trips abroad. The first trip was with Operation Rainbow, where she was part of a team that completed orthopedic surgical cases. The second trip was to Guatemala with Project Hands, where the team completed general and gynecological surgical cases. Today, she'll be sharing her experiences regarding these trips. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. I think you stole three slides. <laughs> um, so she covered the introduction. Um, the learning objective for what I'm about to show you um, is that at the end of the session, the participant, you guys, will be able to discuss one Dartmouth-Hitchcock staff member's experience, that's me, as a volunteer nurse in the global health arena overseas. Um, so there's my history, which we went over. I've been in the OR and I joined vascular service, um, just a specific service for uh, the OR. Um, so my two trips, uh, last June was my first. I went to Aloha, uh, Ecuador. Um, and then in November, I loved it so much that I signed up again uh, with a different organization. And we went to Kamancha, Guatemala. Um, I googled both to find these. That was kind of a running joke on both trips. Um, a lot of people had been before, new people, um, and I kind of just googled mission trips and ended up with two great and awesome organizations. Um, so Ecuador was my first trip, and Guatemala and Central America was my second. Operation Rainbow is who I traveled to Ecuador with. Um, they do orthopedic surgery only. Um, the team itself is based in Northern California. Uh, but they have team leaders all over the U.S. 
Um, Dr. Herzenberg is who we traveled with, and he's based out of Baltimore. He works at Sinai Hospital. Um, the team we traveled with was 23 people, so we are uh, forced to be reckoned with traveling through small airports. Um, four surgeons, four anesthesiologists. We ran two OR rooms. We had three PACU nurses. That was a shared responsibility with the local nurses on this trip. Um, five OR staff, two scrub techs, and three nurses. We had a physical therapist, being that it was orthopedics. We had four translators, Spanish to English, and we had two medical student volunteers. Um, we did 37 operative cases over the course of four or five days, um, mostly children, 25 and 12 adults. Um, 16 pediatric foot and leg surgeries, big bulk of what we did. Um, 11 pediatric hip cases, cases that would never be done for these children otherwise. Um, seven adult feet and three hand cases. Um, and they do have a website which uh, talks about future and past trips, operationrainbow.org. This is our team. Um, Dr. Herzenberg, who was our team leader, is here. And his wife, Meryl, was a PACU nurse. And they were awesome team leaders. They've been to this site before, which was really nice. Um, they had a good feeling for the locals and the hospital administrators. Um, Dr. Herzenberg specials in leg lengthening, which is even more specific ortho, uh, which is pretty awesome for this, because there were two cases that we did. And they certainly would not have that opportunity for surgery um, if he had not been a part of it. So Loja itself is the capital of the Loja province, which is kind of state-ish um, compared to us. Um, huge city, really, uh, known for music. It's very culturally diverse. Um, has two major universities, uh, pretty mountainous. Um, and as I said, it's one of the largest cities in Ecuador on the top ten. So Loja is here. Um, I'll show you in the travel, but we actually flew into Guayaquil. That's their major airport. Um, and then we had a smaller flight from Guayaquil to Loja, probably uh, 20 to 30 people. The travel schedule, um, we spent a lot of nights in airports on both of these trips. Uh, we met in Washington, D.C. We met most of the Baltimore team. Uh, we then flew to Florida and met the entire team, ended up overnighting in Florida in the airport. Um, landed in Guayaquil, really, in the wee hours. Uh, spent a few hours sleeping there, and then eventually hopped on the smaller plane to take us directly into Loja. So here's some examples of our accommodations overnight uh, in airports. We spent a lot of time there. Um, and we each had to check two bags of equipment. So um, we bring all our own instrumentation for the operating room, which is a huge amount of weight um, and bulk. Um, all supplies, we uh, bring a Bobi machine, which is a cautery machine, electrocautery for surgery, which is pretty bulky. Um, and the complicated part about that is we can't put all the instruments in one bag because it would be too heavy. So PACU stuff is mixed with OR stuff, um, and the sorting out and packing is quite a process. Um, again, we were forced to be reckoned with, with two huge duffel bags plus a check bag for 23 of us in these tiny airports. Um, and actually, the only bag that they really fussed with was the medications, almost got stopped. Um, but Meryl was kind of able to bat her eyes and got us through. Um, not, they wanted to hold it for 24 hours. Um, this is the landing of the smaller flight actually in Loja, quite beautiful. And then we had about a 45 minute uh, kind of mini bus ride into the city itself, which was also quite beautiful, but as you can see with the bottom right picture, quite scary. Uh, there are no driving rules in either of these areas we went to, and the roads are not wide enough for uh, people to be passing 
never mind people walking on the side of the road and things like this. So it was a new experience for me, certainly. Um, the average cost of these surgical trips, so this one in particular, they ask for a $750 donation, and that does cover three meals on your work days, um, ground transportation, so we had a driver hired in for the week that we were there, and the small flights into Loja uh, from the bigger airports. The flight that we covered ourselves was about $800, and that's from wherever our home base was to Guayaquil, and then Guayaquil back. And then they encourage you to bring spending money for yourself, I didn't find I spent a huge amount. Food is pretty much covered, and I pretty much just um, bought, you know, souvenirs to bring home and local things that, that I enjoyed. Um, our surgical schedule um, for this particular hospital, we were within walking distance, which meant really, really late nights because surgeons like to push as much as possible. Um, so it was a, a bit more strenuous, but uh, equally enjoyable. So Sunday, we went and unpacked as the OR staff. The rest of the crew kind of did triage. They saw numerous patients, and I'll show you that. Um, and we didn't get to enjoy that, which was a little unfortunate as an OR nurse because it's not as much patient interaction. Um, but we did a lot of unpacking, which you'll also see. And so we had full surgery days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, yes, uh, we arrived at 8 for the first case. Some nights we left, uh, two nights I think it was as late as 8 or 9 at night, and then we would walk back a couple days. They tried to make it earlier. And then Friday, they discharged um, all the patients they wanted out by the time we left, um, did follow-up, they did some PT teaching, and we actually had two smaller cases that would be same day considered um, that could go home that we finished up just to fit them in the schedule and repack all our supplies and instruments. Our accommodations are not shabby at all. I was thoroughly impressed. Um, I was continually told not to expect this on future trips. Um, but the hotel was great. We still didn't drink the water um, in the hotel uh, just because it's too high risk in these countries. Um, the hospital I was also impressed with and I was also told not to use as an expectation for future trips, but um, it's a fully functioning privately owned and we were able to meet the owner and she spent time, co-owner, she spent a lot of time with us. She was an anesthesiologist. It had two operating rooms, which you'll see. It had its own laboratory and imaging services, which was exceptional for ortho because they could go in-house, give their x-rays that we wanted for surgery. They had their own inpatient floor, ICU and NICU, which was rare to see. Um, and it was also a neat experience because they shared inpatient responsibilities with us. So we didn't staff the hospital overnight. We left that to the local nurses, which was really neat to integrate more with them. They also have 24-hour emergency care and ambulance services. So. Uh, a pretty impressive hospital for, for the economy and where we were. They had security as well. Um, they told us not to walk the streets alone um, or, you know, flashy stuff, but I felt quite safe while we were there. Um, so also impressive was the size of this operating room. Um, it's bigger than a lot that we have upstairs, <laughs> actually. Uh, and we had a smaller one. This is the smaller operating room that was a little bit more cumbersome. Um, this was our PACU. They had two patients in the PACU at a time. We would try to switch rooms, but they had enough coverage. And this was our central sterile. So they didn't have a lot of room there, um, but it was in-house. So pharmacy for PACU. Um, and I love this picture because we have huge, I don't even know how many gallon trash cans in the operating room. We use three of them. And this was all our trash. So recycling. Um, if I had to grade both recycling and regular trash, 
They recycled absolutely everything. Things that we would throw away in an instant, in the blink of an eye, they asked for us to wipe down and they would re-sterilize it. Um, so I'm sure that they thought we were absolutely gluttonous in our trash. Um, but it's also quite expensive. They have to ship it out of the city um, to have all the biodegradables taken care of. So quite expensive for them, so they try to keep all they can. This is our unpacking day. Um, the, we were lucky enough to have our own room they cleared out, so we were able to just fully take over. Um, we had to go through and make our own instrument kits on both of these trips, so that's quite cumbersome. While we were doing that, um, here are some patients that came through for triage. Um, triage is absolute chaos. There, um, 300, 300 patients were already whittled down by the local doctors. So um, they pretty much just hand out flyers to everyone saying if you need orthopedic surgery, there'll be a team here from this date. Um, they come in earlier. The local doctors actually for this trip assembled a binder of 300 possible patients, which is a ton of work that our surgeons didn't have to do. Um, so 300 were seen by local doctors and we saw 135 patients in a day come through for triage. Um, most with their entire family in this small space. Um, and thankfully, this was where the uh, volunteer medical students were hugely helpful. They sat and colored and made bracelets and entertained and kept the flow going. So we scheduled 38 for surgery in four days. Um, this was kind of neat just to see. Uh, this was an older woman who had bunion surgery the year before while they were there and came back to have her left side operated on. Um, but this is, you know, surgical pre surgical days and then the post-op for the bunion was removed. So just a nice continuum of care for us. Diego was our favorite patient ever. He uh, smiled as he was going under the mask and wanted to hold it himself and was absolutely stoic. Um, the patients are the most grateful group of people you'll ever meet in your life. Um, for this, the surgery was free. On the second trip, they asked for a donation of one or two dollars, depending on the extent of their surgery. Um, as the noble people don't, don't want things for free. Um, and the amount of gifts that these people brought us was pretty impressive considering what they lived on. Um, very grateful. Dr. Herzenberg said that this is, sounds like a, a very selfless activity, but it's actually very selfish because you come back feeling like absolutely a million dollars. Um, this was one of the leg lengthening cases. She would not have opportunity for um, surgery if this team had not gone. So it was easier to put my pictures just in a full room. I just have pictures of our surgical days. <clears throat> so this was our surgical team. Um, and the great part about this is everyone said, was there anyone you didn't get along with? And I said, well, no, the people that usually wouldn't get along with don't usually do these kinds of trips. Um, so it's an immediate bond. You have to work together from day one um, to really, you don't have time for warm up or uh, you know, a lot of integration time, and they were awesome. I keep in touch with all of them, which is another selfish part of this that works out really well. Uh, this is my desk and our supplies in the room. No computer, everything's on paper, and there is very minimal charting. Um, this is a bit more operating room uh, based, but um, that's our back table, and in the OR you'll see a much more organized and um, probably honestly clean back table upstairs. Um, the cloth drapes, we don't use at all. Um, they just don't stay as clean. And we also reused all our drapes that we sterilized in, um, just for lack of having stuff. Uh, this is a suction container. 
and it is glass, and they dump it out and wash it by hand between all cases. As an OR nurse, it was absolutely cringing. Some of our surgical team, we also had a really unique opportunity in that um, the man on the far left, his name was Pepe, and he was a local surgeon from another hospital. He shut down in his entire practice for this week to come and operate with uh, the surgeons, him and his son, who just received his uh, medical license. So we had Pepe and Pepito. Um, this was our air conditioning. <laughs> Not much of anything. Um, so. That's pretty much all we had, and we were in lead with, you know, you'll see the number of people in the operating room. I thought this was interesting. It was a homemade quilt donated, and they used it over and over. Um, so this is actually a mail stand cover, which is not made for this piece of equipment, um, but just an example of we used what we had. If it was sterile, we used it. And this is an uh, inpatient room. Three patients to a room. Once you got two in, you could hardly get the third in. Never mind, try to get the first one out. Um, and some of the nurses local on the left and our nursing staff on the right. We did, I think, at least 20 spica casts um, uh, for, for pediatric hips, um, what, between doing them and redoing them. Dr. Herzenberg, who was absolutely awesome. Um, so just an example of something that here would probably be taken care of in the first year of life. Um, and something that I kind of said, really, this is what we're coming here to do. But this child has trouble wearing shoes. He has trouble taking part in any activities. It's very uncomfortable. And culturally, this is a really, really big deal. Um, he would not want to be seen without shoes on um, because it just is, it rules you out. Um, you can imagine how accepting kids are here. It's, it's far worse there. Um, that's our x-ray viewer. So we just take the x-rays to the window for light. And you can see in the windowsill all the stuff that we would normally throw away is all being kept for the local staff. All those bobby cords and wraps and suction. So sorry for the graphic detail. Um, so this is the removal of that um, spare toe, that spare piece of skin. This is uh, the number of people we had in OR. So it felt a lot like Dartmouth with students, residents. Um, they brought in a group of nursing students just to observe. So it was packed. up seeing. They contaminated my CRM grave like four times. <laughs> had not a lot of uh, understanding of why I was upset. It's, it's um, a lot less sterile in these environments and they don't quite get it. Um, this is the leg lengthening case. So this is a 20-something year old um, woman who had a bone deformity from birth um, and it's kind of a cool case, something I've never seen. We don't do it here. Um, and so they break the bones in two different places and then rod them so that they're straight instead of having that curve. Um, so not only does it uh, help with, her legs are off level, so it will level them out, but it will help her with mobility a lot too. Um, a local and one of ours, she was one of our translators, Phoebe, um, and this was one of the charge nurses locally. They were our schedulers. Another example of how many people and cameras and everything. Um, it was also a kind of cool experience because we don't take pictures here because of HIPAA. Um, so we get to document a lot of our experience, which was really cool. Um, another uh, syndactyly, um, something that would be taken care of very young. So that's why we don't see it in kids and adults. Um, and this 
girl was, I think, 10, 9 or 10, um, and she had both hands. And the previous year, they had separated her pointer finger from her hands. And this year, they were coming back to separate her pinky so that she would have grasping and be able to move. And it kind of looks like a smaller hand case, but you have to take a skin graft because there's no skin in between the fingers. So it is a bit more complicated. I'm sorry if it's too graphic. Uh, this is our count sheet. Uh, we're going through a lot of counting changes here and are very official, so that's what we did. And this is just another example of a young girl with birth deformities that we fixed. Our use of, so there's syringes, syringes as casting. Um, and our central sterile, so something very different for me is that here we send our instruments downstairs. There's a whole other team that takes care of them, they wash them, they sterilize them, they package them, they unpackage them. Um, when we were done with the case, uh, we would come out. This is our irrigator. He has two kidney bus buckets and the instruments used with soap, and he's irrigating them. So we would wash them, we'd scrub them, hose them, dry them, put them in the sterilizer ourselves. Um, the saving grace to this trip was that our fifth OR staff person had worked with the surgeon before and been on this trip. So she more or less took over central sterile. She would have our supplies ready and just give us breaks, and then we separated into teams. And if we did not have her, it would have been an absolute nightmare. There she is, Amy on the left with our saving grace. Uh, lead door. So we have tall lead doors um, to protect people who aren't wearing it. This is simply a piece of lead hung over some rebar that someone brought in to make. And this is Pepe and Pepita, so father and son, local, um, who just came in for the experience, and they were absolutely awesome. So Pepe is a Spanish name, and then Pepita is not his real name, but it's like Junior. So Pepita had a son who is now Pepetito, <laughs> I learned. I wasn't sure about his son, but. Um, so Pepe, Mark, traveled from Israel, the surgeon in the middle, um, to work with Dr. Herzenberg. He was one of our surgeons. Pepita, and then this was um, the co-owner of the hospital. She was in and out, she was absolutely awesome. She facilitated us getting blood one day, which was almost impossible. And this is about 8.30 at night where they're waiting for us to finish. Um, the OR staff is always the last to leave. Um, so as an OR nurse, you're always the last one out because we had to finish our case, clean the room, and then make sure our instruments were ready for the next day since there was no CSR. Um, pretty state of the art. They had camera in one of the lights, which we only have in a few ORs here, so you could watch from afar. And then this is us with some of the uh, housekeepers who were awesome, helped us turn over rooms and get equipment clean. Another spike of cast. On the left is Marie Godalovich. She practices in um, Montreal. She studied under Dr. Herzenberg and now does leg lengthening as well. This was the last day of morning rounds. Um, pretty much everyone went around to see. Uh, make sure everyone was going to make it out of the hospital. No one needed extended care, uh, which is obviously a bit more tricky in these parts. This is our repacking. Um, we ended up leaving a lot of supplies behind, um, a lot of things that they either thought were, you know, they didn't have access to. Um, we left a lot with Pepe for his practice. Uh, Gio was one of the scrub techs from Florida, and he was a big hit with the ladies. <laughs> These are three locals who wanted their picture with him. This was Dr. Herzenberg with a patient's mother, um, dressed culturally uh, traditional. 
our, Julie is our physical therapist. Uh, she was taking off a cast that was too tight to cast on our day of discharge. Also awesome. This was Jorge, and he was our driver. So he left his family four hours away to come and drive for the week. So he was at our beck and call. He was absolutely awesome. He ate with us. Um, you know, he came to dinners with us. He hung out with us at the hotel and was really a really awesome guy. The view from the hospital, so the surroundings were absolutely gorgeous. Um, there's a park I'll show you across the street um, that was just gorgeous. There were, you know, four huge soccer fields. Soccer is a big pastime. Here's the park. It had a stream running all through it. You could go on duck boats, and um, we just got to kind of wander through it, but uh, pretty neat. Um, and this is just an interesting slide to me culturally. Um, this is a man on a motorcycle with a, about a three or four year old son. And the man has a helmet on and the son does not. So uh, not big on safety. Again, traffic was such an issue. Um, and you would see whole families. So you would see father, mother on the back and two kids in front. So the second trip I went on was with Project Hands, a different organization. They're based out of um, BC, Vancouver. Um, most of the team came from there, uh, and uh, the catch is that I didn't have to check bags immediately or help with packing because I'm not local, but they meet as a team the week before to do all the packing. In this case, they used crates, and you'll see the red crates we all traveled with. Um, a little bit different, we had a bit more staff because in this case, we staffed our own PACU and overnight. Um, so we had a full team of seven PACU nurses, uh, a bit more than last time. We also had three interpreters because they speak Spanish and they speak a local language called Quiche. Um, so we traveled with more interpreters and for every Spanish interpreter you had to have in an operating room, you had to have a Spanish to Quiche interpreter. So we're now um, you know, inducing a patient into anesthesia with, uh, I am telling the patient, okay, this is what you're gonna feel. That's being translated to Spanish, which is being translated to Quiche before it gets to the patient. So a bit more of a barrier there. Um, again, we had two operating rooms. We ran um, general surgery only in one and um, GYN surgery only in another. Um, we had one procedure room where they did um, a lot of kind of mold removal, um, things that just wouldn't be taken care of otherwise and were bothersome, um, things that needed to be sent to pathology. Um, we did 28 general procedures. I was in the general room. We split off into teams just to make it easier learning these surgeons' preferences. Um, mostly hernias, and we did 26 GYN procedures, mostly hysterectomies, um, sometimes just take the ovaries, uh, and then take cysts from either of those things. Um, Project Hands also has a great website. Um, again, I just Googled it, and you can find it. Um, and then Saludi Paz is the clinic. It means health and peace in Spanish, and that's the clinic we uh, went through that we operated out of. Did you do anything laparoscopy? Uh, laparoscopy? We've completely. <laughs> <laughs> is everything open? Um, so I'm supposed to repeat the questions, I think. Mm -hmm. So the question was, did we do any laparoscopic cases or did we do them all open? Um, we did them all open. There wasn't laparoscopic equipment. Um, and the difference between this clinic and the hospital is that this is not an operating room. Um, it typically runs as a dental clinic and an eye clinic. Mm -hmm. So we literally brought everything. Um, they had some suture, and that was literally it, uh, aside from a table and an anesthesia machine. So, 
This is our team. Um, just some facts about what we're facing uh, going into these countries, and this is probably close to true for um, a lot of the South and Central America, American countries served by um, mission trips. So 90% of the land is owned by 5% of the population. 60% um, of everybody living there lives on less than $2 a day, and another 27% live on less than $1 a day. So again, for these people to be bringing us gifts was absolutely amazing to me. Um, there's a lot of indigenous Maya there, and that those are those who speak Quiche, um, and they do not speak Spanish. Um, so 93% of the people who are indigenous live in poverty, which is less than $2, and 91 of what's left live in extreme poverty. Tamachao is tiny in comparison to Loja. Um, tiny town, uh, 45 minutes away from the closest city. You'll see the drive we did on a daily basis, which was frightening. Um, again, uh, mountainous. We passed a huge volcano on the way, mostly Mayan descent. And again, most of the people we met spoke Quiche. So the little Spanish I knew in this case did not get me far. Um, so we flew into Guatemala City. Uh, we overnighted in Antigua, which is a great uh, tourist-friendly city on the beginning and the end of the trip. Um, and we drove from Antigua to Chichi, Chichi Castaniango, which is Chichi for short, um, which was about four hours on a chicken bus that you'll see. Um, and then from Chichi to Kamanchao, which is somewhere in here, was about a 45-minute commute every day, so to get there and back. Um, Again, this is Chichi Cha. So this is the city we stayed in, which has the largest open-air market in South America. Fun fact. Um, and we traveled this road to Kamancha every day. Um, we flew to Texas to meet the team. In this case, we all kind of met, met centrally. Um, there was a couple from Nova Scotia. Uh, otherwise, most came from D.C. Um, we flew to Guatemala City, as I told you. Um, we took a bus to Antigua overnight. We had a three-day there. Um, and then we... It was about a four-hour ride on this chicken bus um, from Antigua to Chichi. Uh, they're called chicken buses because if you see the locals on them, there are pigs and chickens, and the top is lined with stuff and people. There are people hanging out. They don't stop to let you on and off. So you'll see 80-year-old women hopping off as it's going by their stop. Um, not uncommon to see livestock in the back of trucks. Um, and you'll also see pickup trucks loaded with women with babies on them, infants, whole families. Um, this was the volcano we passed. So again, very, very beautiful country. The drives were absolutely astonishing. Um, and a lot of cornfields in this area. Um, this was a, a small bit less expensive, mostly because it's closer travel. So 565 was the donation. And again, it included our hotel, three meals on our work days, and ground transportation. The flight was from home to Guatemala City was about $650, and again, spending money for yourself. Um, the surgery schedule, um, I'm highlighting the drive, and I'll get there. It was extreme. Um, so Saturday, we met the local staff, and there was a lot of local staff that worked in the clinic that supported us and helped us. Um, we unpacked on Sunday, set up supplies. We had to clean the whole OR because they're not used but twice a year. And this clinic sits literally smack dab in the middle of a dusty cornfield. Um, one of the operating rooms, one of the operating rooms had a broken window that we like had to tape off because so much dust was coming in. Um, so we had to clean ceiling to floor before we could even unpack. Uh, we operated Monday through Friday. 
Um, the catch to this was that because there were only two buses and we couldn't walk home, it was shorter surgical days. Um, so we were typically done five, six, seven at the latest at night. And then Saturday we repacked and had the final discharge. Um, a unique experience for this that I hope I get to, I didn't last time, um, was that we were offered the opportunity to follow a patient home at the end of our stay. Um, so they found a patient and family who was willing to accommodate us. We were able to go and they totally let us immerse ourselves. So I have photos of that, it was really cool. So again, our accommodations were not shabby, it's certainly not four star, but a great hotel. Um, you felt very safe. Uh, I wouldn't wander the streets alone, but um, I didn't feel in harm's way at any point. Um, and the service was absolutely awesome in both hotels. They went out of their way to make our accommodations. Um, they didn't serve any fresh produce because they cleaned with the water that can make you sick. Um, great job of really awesome food. So this is the drive I've been talking about. Um, so this is the road, and you can see all these switchbacks, which would be fine if it was like an interstate. But um, this is a huge valley, and we literally went from one side to the other on switchbacks, and um, this was the, the width of the road. So this would fit tractor trailers, because Chi Chi is a huge commerce place, so there are big vehicles. We're on a chicken bus. And there are people walking with goats. There are people on motorcycles passing us. It was absolutely the first day we did it. I thought that I, I can't do this four days. So um, you kind of get used to it. But every day, I just marveled at the fact that this is what people traveled. The clinic, um, again, just put up flyers and signs to bring patients in. Um, they had a local uh, man who was their kind of security and groundskeeper. This is his house, and as you can see, you can see the family's laundry as you're walking into the clinic. Checking out the anesthesia machines. As you can see, everything's sheeted because it doesn't get used until there's a trip there. Um, that was our GYN surgeon. She was from Nova Scotia. Here's our PACU team, a bit larger. So they had a schedule that allowed two of them to stay every night and then be off the next day. This is the face of the clinic. Um, which looks a bit decrepit, although it's kind of Dartmouth's entrance now, I guess. Um, but much like Dartmouth, it's actually really great because they had a really big grant come through that's allowing them to, um, they have a schoolhouse associated with this. They're putting two more classrooms on um, and expanding the front for greater security. So actually a really good sign of things to come. Um, so this is our tour of the OR. Um, so our central sterile, um, there's more machines, but they hold a lot less equipment, just smaller, smaller machines. Um, the sheet covered, and this is the broken window directly into a cornfield. Um, again, linens was kind of cool. It's all donated stuff that you would use in your home. Uh, it doesn't come across as hospital grade, but they clean it and use it. And this was inside the operating room door, which is always a great sight to see. So, um, you know, we go there doing the best care we can. We say we do, wouldn't do anything different than what we do here. That's the care that we're striving to achieve. Um, but there are times that it's difficult, uh, and it's certainly different. So this was a, a tear-jerking and a heartwarming experience. When we wheeled in on our chicken bus, this was the triage line waiting to see us. Um, so we walked through hundreds of patients to get to the front door. Uh, they had a stop, they kind of gave a speech, um, a local gave a speech to us to thank us for being there. So 
So again, just one of the most grateful populations you'll ever meet. Uh, they had a little food, warm food booth set up outside, just a local one. Okay. And here's our unpack bins. So again, they try to be organized, but a different person does these trips every time. So you get sheets of inventory, but we literally are going through every bin to see what we have. Um, it's kind of a surprise. We hope that we, you know, we did no orthopedic surgery. We have casting supplies. We have ace bandages, nothing that we'll need. Um, so we kind of have to dig through and make sure you have what you need and stock your room appropriately. This is our OR. You can see the linoleum floor, which is a bit different than here. Um, uh, actually a great space. You know, it was small, but it worked for us. We did smaller cases. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the arm boards in the operating room, but we have really heavy metal uh, plexiglass. And this is a piece of wood, literally, uh, you know, one by four, um, with some fluff on it and wrapped with a cobian. So those were our boards, just as an example of kind of the equipment we're working with. Uh, Bobi from probably the 50s or whenever they started making them. Um, that's electric cautery, so the uh, electric knife we use in the OR. And we got really lucky in this trip. Um, we had two CSR techs. So we didn't handle instruments, but this is the point where they almost broke down on day one. Um, there were instruments that were kept there, and there were instruments that were brought in, but they had to literally assemble pans from the ground up. So our surgeons had to say, here's a list of what I want in my minor, minor basic, which is the basic pan we use for surgery. And they had to dig through, um, assemble from the ground up, put together, sterilize, and then inventory and keep those clean. So these girls, thankfully day one was the worst for them, and they made it through it, but they were an absolute godsend. Um, just an example of surgery that we did. We did a lot of hernias, um, scrotal. Um, we did a lot of um, femoral hernias, um, which is a bit different. We don't see a lot of them. And my own hypothesis is that they carry things with leather strap on their head with strings that go back and they kind of lean forward. And it could be anything from children to firewood. We saw them with a huge thing of firewood. And personally, I think it's something in the way they stretch that led them to more femoral hernias. Oh, this is a, so here's a, an electric fireplace. Can anyone guess what we might use it for? Staying warm. So this was a, do you know what a bear hugger is in the operating room? We have warmer blankets that are covered. So I walked into the PACU and they had one of these up against the cot with a blanket over the top of it. So this is kind of a, an, a culmination of some of my favorite pictures. Um, a good example of how we felt at the end of days or trips. Um, the glorious part about this is, like I said earlier, people, people who went on these trips were really just grateful to be there. So you had no complaints. You had no gruffy surgeons. Um, the surgeons more or less said, okay, I can work with that. Um, the general surgeon in this case, um, for hernias, you often have plugs. So it's a piece of mesh that goes into a hernia hole and then you sew down. We only had patches, so he made his own plugs all week. Um, he would size them, sew them together, and then put the plug in. So um, something like that here would be, you know, we just don't know how good we have it. Um, and I, personally, it was actually really hard for me to come back after my first trip. Um, I remember walking into the airport afterwards and just bawling because 
there was millions of dollars worth of decoration. And I just walked in and thought, we are such a pompous, selfish country. Um, so it was really hard, and it was hard to come back to work. Um, I'm one of the charge nurses in the OR, and I had a hard time the first week not being like, really? Really, you want to complain about your assignment? Um, and you know, you come back around and end up just being really grateful for what we do have. Um, but it was certainly an eye-opening experience to come home. This was one of my favorite men in the entire world. Um, this is Christos. He was the general surgeon. Uh, he is from BC. Absolutely awesome. I suspect at home he operates much like he did here. Very adaptable. Uh, went with anything. His bedside manner was just awesome. Um, and we made it. So I'll show you some of surgery in Guatemala. Um, and I'll show you some scenery too. We did have days in both trips on both ends that we were able to absolutely go out and enjoy ourselves. We had a bus tour through Ecuador um, that was absolutely awesome. We looked like complete tourists but had a great time. Um, so this is the surgery team at the end of the week in Guatemala. Again, we had fun. They were an absolutely awesome team to work with. Um, kind of having the tables turned on us a lot. And it's blurry, but this is a good um, slide to show you what the trucks are like. And there is literally children from the age of newborn to, to adulthood. And you'll even see the other end where there's, you know, multi-generational grandmothers, grandfathers riding the back of these trucks. Goat herder, or I'm sorry, a lamb herder on the side of the road. Um, and these were four of the local uh, nurses in Guatemala. Um, and it also shows you that this is a really little population. Um, you know, drugs were different, uh, so something anesthesia had to think about. Um, also a population that isn't used to stuff, so uh, they take stuff a lot heavier than we do here. Uh, this was the security and groundskeeping at the clinic and his wife and their three children. So they lived right there, they stayed right there. Um, he was awesome in helping us with anything we needed. Do you have to bring your own water for drinking? Um, not personally, but they brought pallets of water, bottled water, bottled water. Um, and the locals were really good about supplying us with it as well. Um, the water was bad enough in both places where they said, when you shower, don't open your mouth um, and don't brush your teeth with the water. Um, so something I had never experienced and takes you a minute to get used to. Um, there's also one slide here that was our favorite for the week because the septic systems are also not up to par. Um, very, very fragile. Um, so everyone enjoyed slash cringed at this. Um, you don't flush toilet paper. Uh, you put it in a bin next to the toilet, and they were so extreme because this clinic was literally in a cornfield that they had minimal septic, so um, I didn't hear anyone fessing up that they had to do this, but, um, and I'll just show you the clinic so you have an idea. So this is the driveway into the clinic. So literally, uh, it's cornfield all around, uh, mountains across the street, and there are some stores and such up and down the road, but uh, lop in the middle of crop fields. 
Um, for this case, we did have patients who spent the night, and it's not a hospital, so they couldn't accommodate them. So the patients stayed in a saloon, two doors over. So we had patients waking up from hernia surgery. Um, granted, small incisions covered. They would recover in PACU, potentially spend a night, but it was really frowned upon. If they had to spend a night, they walked to the saloon. Um, so again, another eye-opener in patient care is here, if you ask the patient post-hernia surgery to walk to the next room, often um, we culturally are kind of wimpy compared to these very stoic people. Um, so they would, no qualms about it, get up, walk with their entire family to the saloon, spend the night there if they needed it. Um, the surgeons would make rounds at the saloon in the morning, discharge, and then come over to the clinic. So the take a patient home uh, was one of the best opportunities I've probably ever had. Um, we didn't actually stay in a patient's home. We had a great experience to stay with um, a nurse named Katie. Katie is from Texas and she's 23. She uh, started traveling on mission trips through her church. She got her RN, she worked in dialysis for a while and then she decided to go live in Guatemala, completely immerse herself and she is the nurse manager, charge nurse, everything else at this clinic. So her and her friend, I cannot remember her name, I apologize, um, lived in these church grounds and bused to the clinic every day. And they were awesome enough to take us in, let us stay in a spare room. They fed us, they showed us around. It was absolutely awesome. So um, this is Josh, he's our driver. So again, he totally left his uh, one-year-old daughter and his wife to come spend time with us and then he extended with us. Um, and this is Diego, and he was our Spanish and Quiche interpreter, a local, and he's been a helping Project Pants for quite some time. And then myself, Jerry, uh, Mary Lou, and Joan are the four who took this opportunity from the team. So we extended two days and stayed. So this is our accommodation. Um, this is the building they stay in. You can see the water tanks on the top. There's no, uh, you know, forced plumbing. And then their kitchen is here, and their bathroom's in a different building. Um, so middle of the night, if we had to go to the bathroom, we took a headlight and walked out to the field. Uh, these girls obviously did the best of making it life. Um, the cots we pulled up and two stayed upstairs and the rest of us stayed downstairs. Just a little bit of where they live. Um, almost everything's unfinished. Um, I asked, I had heard a rumor that if you leave it unfinished, you don't have to pay taxes. Um, so I think that's partially true. The other is that they're really optimistic that there's going to be more levels and there's going to be, um, you know, better life. I talked to one of the locals and I said, is it true that you don't have to pay taxes? And he said, no, we're, we're going to finish the floor. You know, it's, we're going to add an upstairs. So pretty much everything is unfinished. Um, this is their kitchen. I just marvel that these two 23-year-old girls are living completely on their own in a country that they don't speak the language uh, all that fluently. They do teach English, and this is their cook stove that they start anytime they want uh, any hot meals. Their sink, um, they rinse all fresh produce that they eat, and there's a non-chemical additive that you let all your produce sit in. And these are the sidewalks in the town they live in. So they were able to take us back to where they live, and then we were able to go see um, one of our younger patients' families, and you'll see pictures of that. So this was our commute to get to their home. 
little bit strenuous at times. Uh, a lot of it's washed out. This is what people take to work every day. Uh, we met several construction men coming back. Um, it was later in the afternoon. And Josh is having fun. Um, so they welcomed us into their kitchen. Uh, it was mother, grandmother, uh, so husband and wife. They had five kids. And then aunt and uncle were there with their two kids, grandmother, and grandmother's friend who was a neighbor, which is a lot of what you see. Um, the family lived there with uh, grandparents. So um, each family had their own home. And this is us trying to help them cook. Um, so they make little kind of pancake pastries, but it's more starchy, um, but they stick to your hands. So um, they had kind of an entertaining time trying to get us to help them make them. You could definitely tell which ones were ours and which ones were theirs. Um, again, the cook stove. Uh, the women man the fire, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, it's part of the kitchen, so it's a women-oriented task. Uh, the assemblance of kids, and this is the living room in the daytime and children's bedroom at night. Uh, everything is open air. So you walk out of the living room and you're in a roofed, but this is facing out within their home to the outside. Um, so again, I'm standing kind of in their dining area. Outside cooking as well. And the husband in this family is a textile maker. And the interesting story is that the grandmother um, took part and founded one of the women-only co-op. Um, and we sat down and were able to hear her story, which was a big part of this experience. Um, and Diego translated it from Quiche to English for us. And she um, ended, up, ended up flying uh, to Canada to take part in a national kind of farmer's market. Um, an international, um, and the story was that she doesn't speak Spanish, never mind English. She got to her first stop in Arizona, she didn't have her bag. She had checked a bag. So she got off the plane, went to baggage, and it wasn't there. So she was panicking, and think this woman is laughing through all of this. I'm sure she wasn't at the time, but she can't communicate even in Spanish that she needs her bag. Um, she had no understanding that it got checked to the next plane. Um, so the I just marveled that this woman came completely on her own, speaking no language that anyone knew, um, to found this women's co-op, and she does quite well. Um, this is a richer family for their town. Um, you know, they're more well able to feed themselves. They travel uh, all around to different co-op stops with a bunch of other families to sell their textiles. So they put them all out for us, and it was nice to purchase it straight from hand. Uh, the best souvenirs I got, we knew where they came from. Uh, the women, they cooked us a great meal of fried chicken and biscuits, which was quite, I'm sure, costly for them to feed us. Us getting ready to eat, and we sat down, ate, and then we heard her story, which was just awesome. Uh, they dressed us up, mm -hmm. so uh, they all were traditional. I can't remember what it's called, um, but it's a skirt that's not a skirt. You don't step through, you wrap it. Um, and then the belts are all handmade, and they showed us how they make them. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and then the flowery shirts are a part of it. So this is um, the sister of the family sitting at her loom, and it's completely intricate. It's almost like cross-stitching, except that she weaves it in and out, cinches it down. But she does it so quickly that you can't even tell what she's doing. And the designs are absolutely amazing. So you can see the design that she makes. Um, I think she said it took her, I want to say two days to make one, um, and then they sell them or wear them themselves. 
Um, they asked if we wanted to do chores, which we readily jumped at. Um, so we helped them shuck corn. Corn's a huge part of life. They grind it into cornmeal for all their food. Um, it's a vegetable. It's um, agricultural. They feed all their uh, animals corn. So it's a huge part of what they do. Uh, I got wrapped up. So this is how women carry their babies. The kids there thought that was quite entertaining. It's one of my favorite pictures of the trip. Um, the kids are absolutely fanatical over uh, Katie and her roommate. Uh, we had dinner in their church complex one night, and you would just see eyes come up over the kitchen window. And they had a flood of probably 10 or 12 kids that came every night just to sit. You'd hand them a phone, they'd be totally mystified with pictures. It was pretty cool that they got to live like this. So this was our patient. He had a hernia repair, um, and we, that's who we traveled home with. We made him get up at walk. Um, his mother was trying to clarify what he could have for food and asked about soda. Um, so the, it was kind of a culturally thing because you could see the kid light up that he wanted soda. We weren't really sure if we were supposed to be enforcing the no soda rule or if she was really asking. Um, but there's certainly barriers around. You know, they didn't want to feed him. We said he can have anything he wants, anything he wants to eat, and we had to really express that quite a few times. I think he also lavished the attention, didn't want to get up because there's not much time that these guys are laying around. Um, so for him to be able to lay in a bed while the other kids were laying, running around was pretty spectacular for him. Um, this family had chicken and meat rabbits out back. Pretty neat, uh, and again, costly. They're kind of a higher up family. And this is the view of their home from where the chickens and rabbits live up on the hill. So you can see where I was standing to take the pictures outwards. Um, outhouse in all of these, uh, so you're walking outside, no real plumbing. And this was really unique for me. So this is kind of sauna-ish. Um, in this section over here, they pour, start a fire, and then they pour water on it, and it fills as a steam room. So she, of course, wanted to show off this really awesome thing that they had. It was really smoky, and the sister birthed her baby here. So they don't go to the hospital, they don't have a hospital close by. Um, so she, this is the compartment where you can get in and enjoy the steam, and that's where she had her son. So. Mm -hmm. Also eye-opening for me. Very excited. I didn't want to crawl in there to explore, never mind to have a child. So it was. Um, again, just the cook stove and the flood of children that came through. Um, so this part was a really, really cool experience. Aside from being able to serve them, we kind of get to take back and uh, be immersed much more heartily in the culture. So that's really it. Can show you some scenery or I can take questions. Did you just take your vacation time to go on this trip? I did. did yeah. um, they're typically a bit longer than a week. Mm -hmm. It's usually 10 to 14 days, so it's usually two weeks um, with the travel time of getting there. Um, and you know, I have hundreds and hundreds of scenery pictures. Don't let me tell you that it was all work and no play. Um, we spent two great nights in Antigua. We were able to go to the market. We went to our own restaurants. Uh, we walked the streets, took pictures. Um, like I said, in, in Ecuador, we had the bus tour that they set up for us, which was awesome. Um, the scenery is absolutely gorgeous. The buildings and architecture is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then uh, coming back from Ecuador, we were able to stay in Guayaquil, which is a really big city. Um, so we were able to walk. It's on the water. Um, when exploring, it's all open air market, which is really nice. Um, 
you go in and barter for what you want, uh, which is a bit different. Nothing has a price on it. You start somewhere. Um, so there's certainly also opportunity to team build and go out and enjoy. So um, it's we weren't stuck in the hospital by any means. We enjoyed our time thoroughly. Are you going to go back? Yeah, I actually um, I signed up with Project Hands to go to Bolivia this coming November. Um, they had never been, and so they did a triage trip in August, and they determined that they're only going to run one OR instead of two. Um, so they're only taking local staff from DC because they can travel with the equipment. So unfortunately, I will have to research, but um, it's something that I would love to do once a year. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a Absolutely great experience. I would encourage anyone to do it. And there's opportunities for not just surgical nurses. Um, we, our team leader was a real estate agent who just signed up because she wanted to do it. Um, a lot of the, so um, two of our surgeons brought significant others, which is also an option. I could have brought a significant other. Um, and they would take part in, we had three cooks on our second trip because we didn't have any catering opportunities. The first trip was catered. Um, so they were our cooks all week. Um, also, the triage and kind of administration part of paperwork and flow um, is a great opportunity for someone uh, who's not directly involved in, in operating home care. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.